following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcasting Network. For a full list of our shows, as well as breaking sports news and engaging feature stories, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com. Welcome back to another episode of Create Your Shot. I am Tyler Laurie, and I am joined, as always, by my fantastic co-host, Christopher Smalls Angelos. Smalls, it's a sad day. The Eagles probably are dead. I mean, it's four, they're four and six. We'll talk yeah, more about this, I'm tough. sure, later in the week. But the Saints are a wagon, as uh, all the Barstool podcasts would call them. And 48 to 7. Unfortunately, looks like there will not be a parade in Philly. Old takes exposed. You can you can save this audio if you want if they do win the Super Bowl, but looks bad. So this morning, what we did is we got back to our roots to make sure that Smalls wasn't too depressed, and we have Matt Hunter, the head coach at York College, on. And Smalls, we hadn't had a lot of small college guys recently, and I forgot how much I loved talking to Division three head coaches. He was awesome. Yeah, just awesome. And you talk about you know. A bad mood, but I'm kind of at the point where I realize what the Eagles are. But like you said, talking to people like a guy like Matt Hunter at York, um, that's a real treat for us, especially. There's just stories and, you know, points you can really sympathize with the coach and kind of relive. That's more different than talking to maybe a Division One head coach who's a little more guarded. Uh, I just thought Matt has this, he had these funny like little stories in terms of, okay, this was an experience I had at a really young age, and this is what kind of shaped me. I got this great opportunity, and then I needed a different job at, at like a different point that really made sense. And he was just super interesting, uh, an intense guy, which I kind of love, but also loosened up through the podcast. He, he got he got much looser. We had a little audio trouble right in the middle, and I was like laughing about it in my mind as I was trying to reconnect because I'm an idiot when it comes to technology. Former video coordinator, no big deal. he was he was you know kind of got into the groove you know after the first 10 to 15 minutes and then all of a sudden we had this audio problems and we came back and i was like oh he's he's loose now smalls like i think i even texted you that like he was into it he was having a good time and i i think like that's what we try to do is understand that like you know they started the year three and oh they were 24 and five last year made the second round of the ncaa tournament and then he just he he set we set this up on friday to record this morning monday morning and they go 0 and 2 over the weekend at a tournament in New Jersey. And as a head coach, like he probably got up and he was like, "Man, I don't want to do this interview with these two lunatics." But <laughs> he's a do your job type of guy. He's a just and show he, up guy. Yeah. He, and he gets on and he's like, "You know what? These guys are not out here to ask me, you know, what happened this weekend because we're not. It's it's a marathon." And that's the thing with coaching is that your daily highs and lows are very different. You, you some days are amazing, some days are terrible. But in the long run, you get to coach basketball for a living. And his story and his journey was awesome. Like, it was so much fun to talk to him. And and when you hear guys, I say this every week, but like when you hear guys whose passion is like what Max is, where it's a different way that he kind of conveys it. Like, he's not yelling into the microphone kind of like you, Smalls. He's not like me and diving into stats and like, how can we get better on the right side of the floor? Like, he's just like, man, I want to do this for a living. I've never thought about doing anything else. And it was, it was, that part's fun. And that's why the small college guys sometimes, not to put everybody in a box, but just those coaches, like, they're just, they're different. And, and it's, it's refreshing to talk to guys like him, to talk to guys like Kevin App and 
because you just get it. It's unfiltered. Like you said, you, you get less coach speak, you get more stories, you get the, you know, I drive a van as a part-time assistant and that was why I got the job type jokes that we got in this episode. And I love yeah, it's it. It's just different. It's just different because I genuinely, uh, I don't know. When I was younger, I was always like, I want to become this division one coach and make all this money that comes along with it. But talking to more and more small college guys, especially opening up on this podcast, it's to me, I never come after the podcast. Like it never comes across to me that it was ever about the money for these guys. They're like, yeah, I want to get like a, a salary and like, I'll be really appreciative, but I love just going to work and getting to coach basketball because I know you guys who are in your cubes or you're doing different things. That would never be my style or my happiness. They are generally happy doing what they love. And that's what gets them going. It's not about the money. It's, and that's the passion that drives you. So I always find that, that as a refreshing point in my week, especially when we do this on Monday, I'm like, ah, this is awesome. This is refreshing. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to have a great week. Yeah, you're going to have a great week going into Thanksgiving. You're going to be thankful for Create Your Shop podcast and thankful for the fact that, you know, we get to talk to these people and they come on and they share their stories. And isn't that something? Isn't that something that people come on to talk, just talk to us and open up? Like, I think that's that's pretty cool that you didn't think that would happen. It is. It is very cool. And I guess I, I never really say this like we. All the people that we have on the show, Smalls, they come on because we ask them to do and they give up their time to come on. And we know that in season, it is very difficult for guys to carve out. I, I joke about this all the time because people act like they're so busy and it's like, I, I don't have any time to come on. But like, in general, people carve out, an, you know, 60 to 90 minutes to come on and talk with us. It's usually a little bit more on the end. And I'm thankful for that, Smalls. I am. I don't want to get sappy. Like you said, it is Thanksgiving and, and we're all going to eat terrible turkey on Thursday because turkey is the most overrated food in the history of America. But I am thankful for that because people, you know, without guests agreeing to do this, without guests agreeing to come on and, and be relatively open about what they do and why they do it, we wouldn't be able to have this show. And it wouldn't be something that I get such a great intrinsic feeling from. And it wouldn't be something that you do. And it wouldn't be something that people get to listen and be like, hey, instead of I want to be the next John Calipari, which is great. Somebody will be the next John Calipari. Maybe somebody's like, I want to be the next Matt Hunter. I want to be the next Kevin App. I want to be the next Josh Leffler. I want to be the next... Alan Soretti, I want to be the next Brit Moore. Like, and that's why basketball is great. That's why coaching is the most fun job there is. Not because like you get to win games, not because you get to recruit, but because there are so many different ways to get involved and do what you're passionate about. And that that part to me, Smalls, I agree. I'm thankful for that. Um, real quick, where are you going? What are you doing for Thanksgiving, Smalls? Uh, we're going to. I'm going to Pittsburgh. I'm leaving there tonight. I'm leaving to go there tonight, and we're just going to figure something out Thursday night. We've got uh some work to do, and that's about it. Nothing, nothing crazy as of yet. No plans or anything. Uh, but spend some time with uh my amazing girlfriend. That's very nice of you. That's. I'm staying in Nashville this year. First uh first uh Thanksgiving you know, with the wife and no family around. So going to our friends' houses, making a little dessert. I, I was recipe testing earlier in the week. If I was asked to fry hit, turkey. No, they're going to oven roast it, which makes me nervous because I don't know that I've ever had a good oven roasted turkey. Now I, if I was hosting, would have smoked a turkey for 12 hours on the grill, Ooh. but 
But you, I mean, I don't know, Smalls, if if we were given the hidden talent question to me, maybe baking would be mine because I made a pumpkin, I made a pumpkin mousse and a pumpkin chiffon pie last week to sample. That's impressive. And we're going to go with the pump, we're going to go with the pumpkin mousse, but I want everybody who doesn't listen, we're going to, we are going to do pick and winners on Wednesday. So it'll be out on Thursday for people who want to listen to our football picks uh, coming up this weekend. But everybody who does not listen to those episodes, one, you're missing out on free money, but two, I do want to wish a happy Thanksgiving, especially because, Smalls, as you know, in the coaching industry, you're bound to have Thanksgiving any number of places. We have a bunch of coaches who are going to have been on the show that are they're going to be at tournaments away from their families and stuff. So this is kind of a time for reflection because in, in coaching, you do you miss some holidays and stuff. So I want to make sure that I wish everybody out there who listens and every coach that we've had on a happy Thanksgiving because this is a, a special time of year and it's a little bit different in the coaching world. So happy Thanksgiving from Create Your Shot. Uh, as always, like I mentioned last week, actually, so not as always, as I mentioned last week, we are looking for an intern to help us with some uh, sound production and a little social media. So if you are interested in something like that, get to spend some time with Smalls and I, reach out to us at createyourshot at gmail.com. Other than that, you can get in touch with us, create your shot on Twitter, create your shot pod on Instagram, create your shot on Facebook. Let us know what you think. As always, if you like what you hear, please rate us five stars, uh, leave a five star review. If you do leave a five-star review and send me a screenshot of it, I will send you a koozie free of charge. Just make sure you send me your address. Koozies are out and about. People are loving them. They are the best thing to keep uh, your hands dry when you're drinking an adult soda. But that's pretty much it from us. Like I said, there will be a pick and winners this weekend. Unfortunately, seven and eight weeks. That is our first losing week in eight weeks, which is amazing. Small is still four and one. I did not uh, have a good weekend. But other than that, you know, ha- have a great Thanksgiving with your families if you're with them, families and friends. If you are on the road, I hope all your tournaments go well, and I hope you and your team have a great Thanksgiving in Smalls. That's it for us. So enjoy this week's interview with Matt Hunter of York College. Hunter, the head coach of York College, uh, three and two on the year, wins over fellow podcast guests Johns Hopkins and Josh Leffler, and then Alan Sredi and Dickinson, and then coming off a little tournament at Stockton this past weekend, going zero and two, but looking to get back on the winning track. But Matt, thanks for joining us, and uh, how are you today? Ah, uh, I was doing a lot better Friday when we set this up. I guess um, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have done enough of these to have a create your shot jinx or not. I don't know. We get the create your shot bump sometimes. People <laughs> that, come on and they start playing really well. So all right, well, there we go. We'll take that. So, so it's your this is your seventh season, I guess, at York. Coming off a great year last year, twenty four and five, you win the conference, make it to the second round of the X, the NCAA tournament. I, I'm just curious when you have a year like that. What are your expectations coming into this year? You know, it's a very new year. You've only been you know five games in. You've been practicing probably about a month, maybe a little less, but. You know, what were your expectations with your staff and with your players? Yeah, I try not to get into that game. I'm not a big goal setter or expectation guy. Um, I'm very much your walking cliche of let's just try to get better today. Um, 
And we have, you know, we have a, a very new team. It's a very different group. Um, so with those guys, you know, it's trying to forget about last year, focus on today and find a way to, uh, you know, to, to be good today. I'm curious, actually, sorry, Smalls, I know I said you could go, but I'm going to jump in real quick and cut you off. Matt, when you're at a school like York, Division Three, and you're coming off a lot of success, what's the vibe like on campus coming off a 24-5 and five year? Because it's it's obviously like a little bit different. You guys aren't Duke or Kentucky where there's palpable buzz, as our guy John Rostian would say. <laughs> what is it, what's it like around the athletic department and what's it like around, you know, campus when you're coming off such a big season? Uh, it's cool, but you know, for us having a big year is really nothing. I mean, our lacrosse teams are top five in the country year in, year out, play elite eight, sweet 16 games all the time. So it's just kind of, you know, what we got to do to keep up with the Joneses, I guess, around here. Um, and it is, you know, at, at a smaller school, there's certainly not that huge atmosphere. Um, our team was fun to watch last year. So we did have, we had big crowds and, the environment was great and the rest of the department and teams were great about coming out and supporting us down the stretch. So we had created a little bit of that palpable buzz on campus and, and hopefully that will carry over um, through our games here at home this season. How do you kind of reset? You you mentioned you have, you know, a new team this year. It's different from that 24 and 5 team. So how do you guys kind of reset as a coaching staff and start teaching this team? So you know, they're ready to go late in the year and you guys can make that run. Yeah, it, it is. Um, we had some really good players that were just kind of playing different roles. So it's getting those guys to embrace, um, you know, what it means to have the ball in your hands every possession in the last five minutes um, and then teaching some of the new guys or guys that weren't on the floor in those opportunities. Um, to kind of be ready when they come along. And uh, up until this weekend, I thought we had done a really good job of it, um, you know, and challenging our guys and playing a lot of those situations out in practice. Um, but it's kind of the game of basketball. You know, it's the greatest game on earth. And sometimes you make the plays in the last couple of minutes and you're able to come out on top, which we did over the first, you know, week or so of the season. And then this past weekend, you know, the, the big shots didn't go down. And so that, that was the result. You know, I do think we're a team that's going to be in a lot of close games. So it's just kind of preparing to to be there. And, and hopefully when you get those shots in the last, you know, two minutes of the game, they're the, they go down. You mentioned uh, good players from last year having a certain role, but taking on a different role this year. How do you communicate that with the player are you the type of coach that's going to have a conversation maybe prior to the year or at the beginning of the school year with those are you doing it through experience and practice and putting them in those positions yeah I am more of a put them in the situation um you know I think it was it was natural every year you know do you see competitive programs they graduate players we don't have long-term contracts so guys are leaving that had huge impacts um, and new guys have to step up. So it just kind of becomes part of the ebb and flow of what you're doing. And guys naturally evolve from taking five or six shots a game to now they get to take 10 or 11 shots a game. And that stuff kind of naturally figures itself out. And um, I do think that as this team goes along, we're just going to continue to 
improve because everybody's going to be more comfortable doing what they need to do now. Yeah, actually, we have this question in a little bit later, but, you know, we said this was your seventh year and you had one year, I believe, as the interim head coach at TCNJ. How have you adjusted with things like this? I mean, one of the things that perked this question for me was you just saying like, hey, I was in a better mood on Friday than I am this morning after going 0-2 this weekend. But like, how do you avoid getting too high and too low? And and has that changed for you over the last seven years? That has definitely changed. Um I came here from the sales and, you know, we were playing in championship game or bust basically the four years I was there. Um, and then it wasn't, you know, that's not where we were as a program when I first got here and I didn't deal with it very well. Um, and I wasn't necessarily always the, the friendliest guy to be around. Um, but hopefully I, I, I believe I have and hopefully other people believe I have as well gotten better at dealing with that kind of internally and, um, you know, just kind of rolling with the ebbs and flows of the season. And now, you know, the challenge today is not to be the grumpiest guy in the office, but to put our players in a position to get better this afternoon when we get together. Yeah, you don't want to be. I worked for a guy where you knew if you lost and you got on the elevator and he was on the elevator, you wanted to take the stairs because it's just like, <laughs> all right, we're going to start this at you know, 7 a.m. or whenever he got into the office, that like, uh, you know, we lost a game by five to a very good team and the world is ending. I think that that is one of the best, but also one of the worst parts about coaching college basketball is that it's so much fun, but the lows always seem a little bit lower than the highs are high. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Matt, but I always kind of felt that way a little bit. No, I, I think that's fair. And probably the longer you do it, the more fair it is. Um, you know, and so it's just learning how to deal with it. And for me, it's been 100% um, my family. And, uh, you know, because we played at one o'clock yesterday, I was able to get home and, and put my kids to bed. And they could care less whether we won or lost. You know, they just want me to read the Paul Patrol book or Pinkalicious or last night, I think it was Junie B. Jones. So, um, you know, that that has really helped and that's kind of my outlet and getting to be around them and work with them yeah i can't remember who said that to us yeah that's when you have kids yeah go ahead no i was gonna say that i was paul patrol's getting free ads all over our podcast so if you have kids under four you know the paul patrol yeah, every time we have, we have guys that have young kids on the show, I know like if we have single guys and we ask them like what they're binging, it's always like, oh, we're watching Billions, we're watching Breaking Bad. But if it's dads, it's always like we got Paul Patrol, Doc McMuffin, Moana's <laughs> like, yep. on yep. TV 12 times a week, which I exactly really respect. because And that's what I've heard. Like when you do end up having kids in a family and you're able to put down roots that you know, the losses are a little bit less tough because you get to go home and nobody's judging you. You don't have to talk to the athletic director. You can go spend time with your kids and you feel better about, you know, leaving that maybe at the gym than you probably did when you were younger, I guess, would be. Yeah, Yeah. no doubt about it. It's 100 percent true. So when you get to York, uh, you mentioned that the program wasn't at the point, you know, where it was when you were into sales. What were some of the other big challenges of, of building your own program? It was unique. You know, uh, Jeff Gamber had been here for so long. Um, that, really, that was all anybody knew. And I was very different than him. So there, there was just a lot of, um, 
every, you know, every relationship on campus was different um, than what people were used to. So it was just kind of making that transition from, you know, Jeff Gamber to Matt Hunter and working with different players. And, you know, it, it just they were obviously really successful the year before I got here, but it, w- it was going to be different and things were going to be done a different way and just kind of communicating all that and making the changes that I wanted because I, I don't think you can ever sacrifice what you believe is important for anyone or anything. And that's ultimately how you, you breed your own version of success. Can you walk us through the interview process at York and how you arrived at this is the job that I want coming from DeSales? You mentioned a powerhouse and everyone knows in small college basketball, like DeSales is a great program year in, year out. They're competing for a conference championship. So how did you know that was this was the right decision for you? Yeah, so I I guess uh, because it was comfortable, I, I didn't I was not in a job where I felt like I had to leave. You know, I uh, was fairly well compensated for our level. Uh, my wife had a job and she liked where she was working and she had friends. So it's not, I was not a person who was out, you know, throwing my resume to every job that came open. Um, I was kind of just waiting for what I felt like would have been a good opportunity. And this one popped up and I had been here uh, to scout. Um, a couple years previous and, and saw the new facility. And I was like, I, that kind of left a little impression in my back of my mind. Uh, so, and I enjoy the idea of longevity and kind of being in a place for a long time. You know, that's my experience with Scott and Jeff obviously had done that before me. So like those two things kind of registered with me um, originally. And so Applied for the job and knew I was going to be involved in the phone interview process. So my wife, Annie, and I came down uh, over Easter break. Uh, There was nobody on campus and we had just had our first daughter, Kelsey. So we kind of just walked campus ourselves and explored the area a little bit. And she thought it was a neat place and enjoyed the area and the school is essentially brand new you know there's a lot of new buildings and refurbished spaces so it's like all right this is somewhere i think we can recruit and sell to um and then i got on campus and really clicked with my boss you know paul sakia and some of the upper level folks on campus and everything kind of went from there well i guess what was the biggest challenge coming to york i mean i know you had mentioned you know, it wasn't as reputable maybe as the sales initially, but what was your, your challenge starting off, especially as a new head coach? Yeah, it's just kind of that transition. I think, you know, everybody talks about what's it like to make that transition from assistant coach to head coach. And, um, it's everything, (laughs) uh, when, when at least the, the you know the the programs that I had been in and the way that we had operated and run our program and the way I do it now is is when you're the assistant coach you coach basketball you watch film you scout you prepare you come up with ideas uh you're very involved in all of that practice planning game planning you recruit like crazy um and that's kind of your responsibility and then 
as the head coach at the division three level, you have to do everything. You know, you're the, you're the Dobo, you're the second assistant, you're the third assistant. Um, you know, you, you have to handle all of those responsibilities, budgeting, scheduling, uh, meetings on campus, meetings off campus, fundraising, SID, athletic training, like all that kind of falls under your umbrella. Um, and it's less and less about the coaching. You know, I think we all figure that out and there's a million different ways to do it. Um, it's the, the other things that kind of dominate your, your time and, and your life. Did you learn a lot of that stuff from Coach Koval before you came to York? Or did you feel like a lot of that you needed to learn on the fly? Were you surprised, I guess, at how much ancillary stuff you had to do beyond coaching basketball? I think that the beauty of working for Scott was he was the athletic director. Um, So I was probably privileged to more behind the scenes stuff than most guys in my position would be. Um, so I kind of had an idea of, you know, what it meant to take the, the basketball blinders off. Uh, but he still handled, you know, the scheduling and the budgeting and that, and that type of stuff. You know, I hadn't done any of that. That was still, still all him. Yeah. Cause I always wonder, like when you become a head coach, do some guys take a breath and they're like, this was my ultimate goal for a long time. And now I get to coach basketball. And then do they wake up one day and like, all right, I'm walking into a meeting with the athletic director. That's like, Hey. You've got to coach golf too. I need your equipment uh, order by tomorrow, or they're n- not going to have uniforms. Like, I just am never sure, especially the Division Three and Division Two level, if if that ends up happening, where guys are just not aware of what they're getting into. Yeah, no, I, I, um, I took the. You mentioned coaching golf. Yeah, I, when I took the job here, I was the golf coach as well. You know, so it kind of comes with the territory at this level, and I think. Being a person who played Division Three, only coached Division Three, I came into all that with my eyes wide open um, and not really expecting anything different. You know, it's in the spring game management at the lacrosse playoff games and that type of stuff because all the students are gone. So, you know, we, we are, we're running lines and taking tickets and, and doing the stuff that we need to do in order for those athletes to have a great experience, you know, so it's just, it very much is a collective effort. And here as much as anywhere I've been, you know, just uh, the the staff kind of is all in it, all in it together, which is, which is cool and and makes for a fun experience for us. Does that make you having really good seasons, like even better? I I guess, you know, I, I, Smalls gives me shit on the podcast all the time about being like a D1 guy, like, oh man, I don't, you don't talk to small college guys, but like, you're in the mix with everybody in the athletic department, like your success is their success. Like you said, you're working with a lacrosse team, you're working with, you know, golf team, all that stuff. Like, does it make it sweeter when you do go to the second round of the NCAA tournament? Does it make it feel like, you know, the community is, is really backing you a little bit differently than when you might be at a higher level, you think? Uh, for me, yes. And kind of the way, I guess the way that I do things and how I want to be involved and want our guys to be involved. Um, you know, you have a weekend like this past weekend, you feel like you let everybody down. Um, and then last year you feel like, you know, you're kind of the, the rising tide that helps lift other people up, you know, and it's that, um, it, it's a lot of fun. I mean, a lot of that is just internal (laughs) type pressure, but uh, that's the way that I'm motivated and would love to be the guy that's, that's constantly 
helping other programs and helping other coaches and making this whole department, you know, competitive on a regional and national level. Yeah. And I kind of wanted to take it back to the beginning real quick. And uh, you graduated from Salisbury. You played three years. You were a two-time captain. Did you know you wanted to co- get into coaching and coach right away? I, I did. Um, I knew I wanted to get into coaching in like the eighth grade. Um, I think we were, we were 0 and 14 in the butt of all kinds of knock, knock jokes. And I didn't play a whole lot on that team either. So I knew that I wasn't going to the league at that point. I guess I realized earlier than most. Um, I love, I love basketball. I love to compete. And um, I had a teacher that year who was in coaching and had bounced around a little bit. And he's like, man, I, I guess I had turned it in for a project or something. Um, that that's what I wanted to do. And he told me that you better play in college. So that became kind of the, the short term goal was to, all right, I've got to, I have to get myself onto a college team somehow. Um, I picked Salisbury knowing that I wasn't guaranteed the opportunity but I really liked the school and like every other 18 year old I went there and my best friend was going there too so we went there as roommates and um so I just kind of found a way to fight fight onto the team and uh took two years I didn't become a part of the program until I was a sophomore um but then I you know got that experience and that's what set me up to then go to to TCNJ I believe so um it was uh, it was a battle to get to that point because I wasn't a very good player. Guys, we got to take a quick break to talk about our friends over at BetOnline.ag. If you like football, this is the best week of the year. That's right. It's Thanksgiving. That means turkey, football, and family. In the NFL and college, the playoff races are heating up. In the NFL, the Saints continue to roll after crushing the Eagles and the local to be on their way to the NFC's number one seed. In college football, Alabama remains the best team in the country, but Clemson is rolling in an effort to be mentioned in the same breath. This weekend on Thanksgiving, Saints, Falcons, Eagles, Cowboys, Bears, Lions, and in college football, two huge matchups, Michigan and Ohio State on Saturday and Oklahoma, West Virginia on Friday nights. And there's only one place to get in on all this action. That's betonline.ag. Don't wait any longer. Use the promo code PODCAST1, P-O-D-C-A-S-T-O-N-E, and you can receive a 50% sign-up bonus. That's PODCAST1 for a 50% sign-up bonus. That is literally free money. It's not just football. In the NBA and NHL, races are getting tight. Golden State's lost three straight. That's leading to an opening in the West for Denver, Portland, or Oklahoma City. And Toronto and Milwaukee lead the way in the East. And in the NHL, the Preds lead the way, although the injury bug may have opened the door for the Leafs, Lightning, and Blue Jackets. Don't miss out anymore on this incredible action. Go online or use your mobile phone to sign up and use Podcast One promo code to receive your 50% welcome sign-up bonus. And you can now try in-game live betting. So you can sit on the couch with your leftover turkey, leftover stuffing, and you can bet on live action this week in the NFL and college football. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. And now back to Matt Hunter. Do you think that battle and that work ethic that you developed helped you with your coaching? Because you probably had to learn every little detail of making yourself better, of gaining that advantage so you can make the team, right? So do you think that really propelled you to as a successful coach? I uh I think so. I believe that I learned a work ethic there that I didn't uh uh necessarily tap into previously, you know, that whole uh experience 
of being cut um, as an 18 year old kid, and uh, that kind of changed me. And um, I, Craig Marshall's famous for the whole play angry thing. You know, I, I think that kind of made that 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 was me. I became the guy with the biggest chip on my shoulder, probably at Salisbury. Like, all right. I'm going to come back. Coach said I could come back next year and try out. I'm proving him wrong. And then, okay, I'm on the team. I'm not playing. I'm going to prove him wrong again and, you know, fi- find a way to get onto the maroon team in practice and not allow him to to take me off. And, and so that became who I was and maybe not necessarily healthy all the time, but um, a way to fight. And like you said, I had to learn. I played every position. I could uh, defend every position. Um, I certainly wasn't going to score any points. You know, I probably had 50 in my entire career, uh, but I could, I could compete, and I thought I could make. You know, looking back on it, I think I made my teammates better uh, because of that, and that is then the way I attacked my coaching career uh, of just kind of putting my nose to the floor and working as hard as I possibly can. And hoping that the opportunity is going to to come around for me. Yeah, and then and then you become you know starting your coaching career, you become a part time assistant. And this always fascinates us on this podcast, me and Tyler. We we need to know what else you were doing as a part time assistant, maybe jobs wise, or you know how you were kind of supporting yourself. Yeah, so um, when I was graduating from Salisbury, I believe I sent out about 300 letters, uh, <laughs> resumes, a cover letter, you know, here, you know, I don't know you at all, but you know, will you give me a job on your staff kind of thing everywhere from Duke down to TCNJ, you know, and oh, yeah. I think I got about three responses. Um, and one of them happened to be from John Castaldo at TCNJ and more than anything, uh, it was, that's where I was from. You know, I, I grew up 20 minutes from the school in Plainsboro. Um, so I was able to live at home. Uh, and Chris Ballant, who had, had been with John for a while, got the head coaching job at South Brunswick High School. Uh, so I kind of slid into that spot. Uh, and yeah, so part-time wise, what was I doing? I was substitute teaching. Love it. Uh, and that was, I highly recommend that, you know, <laughs> in the off season, you can work as many days a week as you want. Uh, in season, you can sneak in for a day or two. And I mean, John who showers, who's doing it now for me here. I mean, he's getting like 150 a day in New York city. So That's pretty you good. can't, can't beat that, you know? And, uh, so you sneak in a day or two during the week, uh, during the year so you can pay your rent or whatever you have to do. Uh, but I did that. And then, uh, the baseball program needed a freshman coach at my high school as well. So I uh, tacked that on in the spring and uh, I made way more money coaching freshman baseball for two years than I did for being a, a part-time <laughs> assistant at TCNJ. That's for sure. What was more fun, coaching a freshman baseball team in high school or coaching uh, being a part-time assistant at TCNJ? <laughs> I don't know. We, we actually had really good teams when I was coaching the baseball team. It was a lot of fun. And all the kids were, I was still kind of connected to them. I had grown up playing baseball. I had younger siblings. So I knew a lot of the kids and it was a blast because it really was just fun. You know, I, I played baseball my whole life. Um, 
but I never envisioned myself really coaching it. And uh, the kids were talented. And so we would just go and laugh and, you know, I'd hit them ground balls and throw them batting practice and we would go out and, and roll the other teams. So I guess it taught me a lot about kind of being loose. I guess I didn't learn enough of those lessons, but. I mean, that that's the part I, I think about this a lot, like whether or not I ever wanted to like coach high school basketball when I got out of college. And I, I was thinking to myself, like, I don't know if I could have fun coaching basketball. Like, it's just I, I just get like too intense about it. But maybe in high school sports, if you coach a JV team, like nobody's really going to fire you unless you do. I mean, unless you do something way out of line. But if you're, you know, if your team's just like 10 and 18 or something like it's probably you're just you're a coach and like you enjoy like kind of coaching kids and, and having a good time with it. It might it's got to be a. a a great learning experience for why people really coach rather than like, Oh man, I need to win every single day. Cause I could lose my job. I feel like those lines get blurred too often, but like, I always, I think I joked with you about this this summer. I, I love watching AAU guys that like every single game is game seven of the NBA finals. When you're playing at nine 30 AM on Sportica, <laughs> at Sportica on, you know, and in a consolation game and guys are losing their shit. Yeah. It's like, why do you do it if, if you walk out of here and you're just so furious with the 10th graders that you're coaching? <laughs> like, what intrinsic benefits are you getting out of this? Right. And that's why I always thought, like, maybe it's smart for people, if you really want to coach, like, coach something that you're not really good at and, and see how you interact with kids because that's got to be why you should do it other than if you're an NBA coach, you make millions of dollars. But I, I don't know, Matt. Like, that's the part I've always thought about, like, do you need to learn how to coach loose? Do you need to learn like, hey, this is fun. It's supposed to be fun. Because sometimes I think that gets lost. Yeah, no, it, it was cool. The, the competitive streak you're talking about creeped in one time and I got called into the AD's office. So I swore <laughs> I would never I would never do it again. Um, and, uh, you know, it was just, it really was a blast. And, and the kids were awesome. And actually one of the kids, he made it all the way. He played like in uh, independent league baseball for the Somerset Patriots. And he comes down to York to play. So I get to go watch him play and still have a relationship with him. It's, it's, it's cool. It was, uh, it is a great reminder of why we do what we do. That's, that is very cool. Uh, as far as your TC and J career goes, you, you do end up getting elevated full time, which, you know, I put this in the notes, but like, that's the dream. You get just paid to coach basketball. You probably, I'm assuming you had another job on campus just because it's typically how that goes. But, but then you become the interim head coach, like late in the game. You're 24 years old at a school that has a, a very good basketball tradition for people that don't know. What, I mean, what is that meeting like? Where, where do you walk out of the AD's office and you're like, holy, holy hell, like I'm in charge today. You know, what was that like for you? Yeah, talking about uh, what you don't know, right? Um, I guess I was really naive to, to everything that was going on. Um, and it was late uh, June, May, you know, of the school year. so. It was uh, our athletic director, Kevin McHugh at the time, who actually I just saw this weekend. He's back at Stockton now. Um, he left for Bates College. And then John Castaldo had been an AD at a high school previously. Uh, so he had the most experience in the department. So they kind of they wanted to slide him into that position. Uh, but they did that on an interim basis. So then he, came, he literally one day out of the blue, I mean, I kind of knew there was talk about something happening. Um, but he came in the office, closed the door and said, all right, Matt, this is, this is how this is going to go. Um, Kevin's leaving. I'm going to be named the interim athletic director. I'd like to name you the interim head coach. You're the guy who's here day to day. You know the guys, you know the program. 
And there's a really good chance that I'm going to be back in this position at the end of the year. So I don't want to like bring one of the guys that have been here back for one year and, and pull them out of another job. So do you want it? <laughs> and like you said, 24, who I says mean, no to that, You're right? Yeah. So, so I had, yeah, I had the keys to the city for 13 months. Uh, incredible experience, uh, just young and dumb. Um, you know, and that was the time, you know, so much has changed in life in those last, you know, whatever it is, last 13 years, um, where, you know, at that point we we're still driving around getting VHS tapes and doing that type of stuff for scouting. So it was, it was a crazy year and I got to work with Kevin McMahon who had been there as an assistant with me and then Pat Doherty, who is now the head coach at Haverford. Um, he, he hooked up with us that year and, and the three of us, you know, none of us were older than 24, 25. And we just worked like crazy and who knows if we did anything right that entire year. Um, but we had, we had a good amount of fun doing it. The, the players responded to us and my biggest takeaway was, you know, I, I started that year trying to, be like John, because that's what I felt like I had to do. You know, I was kind of just the caretaker for a season. Um, and I learned that I had to be myself. And you can learn lessons and you can take things from people, but you have to ultimately put your own stamp on whatever it is that you're doing. Uh, and that was that was a irreplaceable lesson. When you left TCNJ, ended up at the sales. Did you feel like you were still far away from being ready to be a head coach, even with that year? Did you feel like you needed those those years in between TCNJ and York to, to really be prepared to take a program and, and put down roots and build it? No, when I left, I felt like I was the man, you know, like, hey, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready to do this. You know, I just, I just went through a year um, you know, come on, like, uh, you just, just let me keep the job. I'm good to go kind of thing. Um, it was probably a few months into the job at the sales and coaching Darnell Braswell, who's a, a two-time All-American. I'm like, oh man, I don't know anything about coaching. Um, so it was, it was really the getting to the sales and learning how much I didn't actually know. Um, and oh, there's more than one way to do this, this, and this. Uh, that's, that's when I had that kind of eye opening experience. Um, and so that combination of having the opportunity to, to be the head coach and then taking a step back and working with really good players in a championship level program, uh, kind of framed who I am, I guess, as a head coach. Did you, sorry, I know you mentioned this before that you weren't sending your resume out to a lot of schools, but after that year at TCNJ, did you apply for head coaching jobs right away? And then, then you did take a step back and not apply for a bunch of them? Or I'm just curious if you remember. No, I, at that point, um, because it didn't necessarily happen in a timely manner the next year either, um, because it, John had to go through his whole process um, to become the athletic director. Um, so I didn't become a free agent until I was sitting on the couch at hoop group in the lobby of TCNJ without a job, you know, so I'm working camp with just a blank t-shirt on. Uh, and then I was able to connect with Scott through 
you know, a couple relationships and Doug Kraft was leaving his position to go, leaving the position to go to St. Francis. Uh, and I had played, we had played, uh, against Dom Friday and, uh, Dom was connected to Doug and I knew Doug through the hoop group and they were able to connect me with Scott and, and kind of make, make that work for me. Yeah. First, before we get into the one more question about networking, but you know, you were definitely with a blank t-shirt or hoop group. You were coaching in the NBA West that week. I, no <laughs> I probably would bump down to the NCAA. <laughs> <laughs> so not to, not to crap on our guys, in the hoop group, but you're mentioning your network and you're, you're, you're talking us through some six degrees of separation for how you got there. How have you gotten better at networking, especially now that you're a head coach? How do you keep in touch with some of these guys like Doug Kraft, for example? You said that name and, you know, he's messing with Cats AAU and stuff now. Like it's guys are all over the place and they change jobs all the time. You know, for you, how are you staying on top of your network and staying in touch with guys? Yeah, I would say that's probably a weakness of mine. Um, I'm not a great network guy. I don't have a ton of friends. I kind of do my own thing, keep to myself. Uh, just, I guess I'm more private than some, uh, but I, I just try to try to work at it. And then the relationships that I do have, I try to make them meaningful and guys that I do talk to and connect with and, uh, build, build those relationships. So it's bigger than just basketball. And, um, I'm a guy that they can call or I can call kind of about, about anything in life and that's just I guess that's the way that I'm wired right wrong or indifferent um that's part of what makes me me no I mean and and I don't even think like I said weakness is an interesting way to put that Matt because you know I guess like when we're younger especially when you do work at hoop group and Smalls and I have talked about this before like you show up and there's guys that are just working the room and they seemingly know everybody and they they have all these phone numbers and everything And, and I always wondered like how do you have good meaningful relationships if you have thousands of them and I think about the people that I worked with as a runner you know when I coached over there like I know a lot of people to shake hands but not a ton of people to call and be like hey I really need your advice and I don't know if maybe that part of coaching is a little bit different now than it used to be because it's so easy to just shoot a text but it might be a little bit harder to gain meaningful relationships with people that you feel really good about when it's like hey we were in a tough spot on Sunday like would you mind taking a look at this last two minutes and just tell me what you think? I don't know how many guys I would call up and ask stuff like that to. Or like, I have this problem with one of my players. Have you been through it before? I don't know if there's a lot of stuff like that going on as much anymore because it seems like maybe it's like attrition, Matt. Like you're just supposed to meet and and handshake as many people as you can now. And that's kind of where I think networking's just gone a little bit differently than, you know, for me too. I, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a weakness. I just think it's a little bit of a different situation. Yeah. Yeah. And I was never into that. You know, I, um, I kind of hang out with the same guys, uh, and and really just do my own thing. Um, and then, yeah, there's a couple of those guys, like you talked about that I know when I need something, um, I can call and I got a call from one of them last night. So that's to me that that's what makes it special, you know, And, and I guess I'm not a, I'm just more into the small world, meaningful type relationships as opposed to uh, knowing everybody as I walk from court one to to court four. (laughs) Absolutely. All right, we're going to coach speak real quick. Smalls, I picked the most ridiculous quote I saw on Twitter. The basketball trainer guys that I follow are all, all over this one, but 
you know, I'm a little bit too much of a cynic, but it's a short one. It's from Coach K about his recruiting philosophy. Yeah. Uh, so here I go. I take a two-star recruit with a five-star work ethic over a five-star recruit with a two-star work ethic any day. That's Coach K. Um, dev- uh, absolutely not true, in my opinion, but that's okay. <laughs> How do you evaluate intangible things like this, especially you know with the high major uh, – this coming from like a high major D1 coach, but you're at the division three level. I think this more rings true where you can find a guy in division three that has these intangibles. So how do you kind of evaluate, evaluate that? Yeah. When was the last time coach K took a two-star recruit? Yeah. Ever? Like, Jordan, like Jordan Goldwire, <laughs> like, you know, your, your dad's <laughs> like on the board or something like it's, got, it's ridiculous. Lee well, Michael Buckmeyer from GFS. Um, <laughs> kid's an engineer or whatever he's doing there. And he's on the bench up in the GPA. <laughs> This quote is absolutely insane. Like, I understand what he's saying, but... Yeah, to me, at the Division three level, it does. It resonates a lot more. Um, totally agree. I, I kind of think that uh, the reason we are who we are as a team and as a program is we've done a really good job of kind of identifying uh, Spartans. And a lot of those guys are wired the way I was when I was at Salisbury. And we have that chip on our shoulder um and it's all right i was under recruited for this reason or i'm in between positions and nobody likes me or i'm a little bit younger and i was reading an article about um beeline and jay wright the other day and the guys that they tried to recruit and uh, a lot of it made sense to me in kind of what we're doing um and we kind of have built our program on that philosophy of, all right, we're going to outwork you, outfight you, outcompete you. So we need guys that have that chip. And then it's trying to um, figure out which which guys have it. Yeah, I remember, Smalls, you probably remember this too, but like Dunf telling us that one of the things that he always hated was when you played teams like that, Matt, like that you, no matter what, even if you were better than them, you just knew the game was going to be really difficult. And that's the sign of like a program that's really on its way because it's like, all right, if we're going on the road or this team's coming to town, like it's going to be like a knockdown drag out. Like we're going to come out with bruises, even if you win the game. And like that, that's the type of team that no one wants to play against. Like they just don't want to be really physical. They don't want to have to battle. And I think like that's a big thing in recruiting at, at all levels is like, how hard do you make it for people to play against you? And, and how unfun is basketball that day, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, kind of what we have made our hallmark, you know, is I hope teams don't leave rushing to schedule us for the next year, um, you know. And so we want to we want to compete. And, um, you know, we have, I believe, you know, obviously I'm biased, right? But I believe we have done a, a pretty good job of establishing that as as one of our hallmarks all right uh second one i i think i just put this quote in small it's just because villanova lost to Furman, and i just like wanted to talk about it for a second give it a little like, jab you know i like it yeah just a little jab <laughs> but we kind of brought this up earlier in the show anyway but this is jay wright after losing to Furman. he said it wasn't until we got down in the second half tied in the second half pretty early in the second half i said we've got to go with guys who have been in some close games at the college level even our experienced guys didn't handle it well. I think it would have been a really t- it would have been really tough on the freshmen. So we talked about this a little bit earlier, Matt. But there's a fine line between playing young guys in every game that's a must win, but also trying to 
bring them along so you can play them in a must-win situation. How do you, on the sidelines, like in games, go through that thought process where you're like, well, I need this guy to play because he's talented, but I also don't know if he's ready for this situation? Yeah, it's a uh, that is an interesting battle. Um, the best way for guys to learn is to play. There's no doubt about it. Um, and you can put them in a lot of situations in practice, uh, but it, it's it's not it's never quite the same. I it, I don't care how hard you practice and, and what situations you're putting guys in, um, but that that's exactly where we are this year. I, I kind of understand the quote. Um, and so what we do is try to put our guys in the most stressful situations we can and then play them and guys are getting some playing time and figured out, you know, some runs are longer than others. Um, and ultimately they're going to build confidence by being on the floor and being in some situations and uh, you learn by, by being out there and our guys that are juniors and seniors are, are battle tested because we've been in those games over the last two years, uh, they kind of built up their, their pedigree. And, and now it's time for the younger guys to kind of do the same thing. And some, you le- some, you can learn by watching and others, you got to learn just by being on the floor in the moment. Do you think it's tougher? Like with Nova, they won the national championship two out of the last three years. They haven't been in a ton of close games. Do you think it's tougher when you are turning over play? Like, you know, you've got juniors and seniors probably that weren't in a ton of close games last year either. So like those guys, do they also need that experience? Is it possible to build that up through practice or does winning make it like, okay, we know how to win? Does that make sense? I, I don't yeah, know, I think like. there's, I think there's some of both. I think having done it before, regardless gives you some confidence that you can do it again um and then you know us in particular it's going to be different guys kind of taking the shots in those moments and you still have to learn how to do that um and kind of be prepared for that and so that's uh practice time and and just kind of i try to build build confidence and build guys up and you know make sure that we are we are ready for the moment when it arises. All right, I'm going to take it over to our next segment. That's City Review. Uh, we're doing York, Pennsylvania for sure. And Tyler is familiar with this area, so I'm going to let you two kind of go at each other <laughs> on the different spots. But what we do for this segment is you, me and Tyler are coming there for a weekend. We're going to bring Tyler's wife, Beth, as well, because she's a York native. Three restaurants, two bars, and an activity in York. Let's go, baby. Oh man, uh, I'm a homebody, so you, you guys are going to have me on this one. You know, uh, let's say I guess the the popular spots to go to are like the White Rose, um, Knickers over at Heritage Hills, like both of those spots. Uh, the place I go now is I'd live over in Regents Glen, like a quarter mile from campus, and there's a little grill in there. I, that's where you'd find me these days. Yeah, so Regions Glen Smalls, when you were at my wedding, Regions Glen was the area right by your country club. Nice place over there. Great. I've, I've heard of Knickers. White Rose, I don't think I've ever heard of, but maybe I just wasn't paying attention. We used to go to, when I was there, we would go to First Post. You've been there, Matt? First Post? I have. Yeah, that, I used to live out on that side of town. It was under construction, I feel like, for the entire time I lived over there, but uh, I've been there a time or two. We, we also 
often would go to uh oh man it's like a wing spot it's i think it's a chain out in like central pa what the heck is it called this is called wings over no 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 arugas arugas we've we've that was yes we wanted to watch games to get like cheap wings we would go to arugas like I don't know, man. There isn't a ton to do in York. That's why I'm excited to hear what you say. Like, if you want to go get a beer, where you would go? Because I have been to some dives in York, Smalls. That's what you got there. You got dives in York. I love dive bars. I'm a big dive bar guy. <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'm telling you, I'm not going to be very helpful in this conversation. I, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, there's one. All right, so Vito's is like a pizza place. That was a, yep. That was a popular place. Smalls, you got drunk at that bar by Primanti Brothers Whoa. after my wedding. No idea what it's called. Uh, over on 30, maybe? Yeah, probably. I was probably there. But yeah. By Primanti. Uh, the Stone Grill. Stone Grill. That is what it's called. We we were there uh, the night before I got married and then the, the, the night of my wedding. We were there, too. Stone Grill gotcha. made out of uh, – this is York, PA for you guys. Stone Grill – your Pennsylvania Central PA bar ran out of Bud Light on a Saturday night. That's, that's hard to do. It's hard Listen, to do. I loved York when I went there. I thought it was beautiful. We went there for obviously a wedding. York Country Club's tremendous. I love the yeah, air. Yeah, when I yeah. leave Philly, so I'm coming from Philly, right? And I'm breathing this air. And then I go out to York, Pennsylvania. I feel like my lungs just open up, man. I feel like I could run a marathon. <laughs> so, so I do love York, Pennsylvania. Matt, you played golf. Have you played golf at York Country Club? The course looks really nice. They all, I could have played golf, but I'm a terrible golfer. But the course there looks really nice. Yeah, so that's actually the course that uh, we use as the golf program here. Um, it's way too hard for us, but they, they uh, allow us to play it once a year. In the uh, We have our like Spartan Advance, our Booster Club golf outing there. Um, so every October we get to uh, take divots. What, what'd you uh, What'd you shoot last time? I'm just curious. Did you shoot like 120. I, I think we we're. Oh no, I've never played it by uh, myself. Just best ball, probably. Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. That that would take me all day. I think to play it. Uh, <laughs> play it by myself. All right. One uh, One activity that we can do while we're in York. We can get the kids. Like, you know, what do you got for us? I was going to say that kids, they got the right at Heritage Hills. If you come in the wintertime, you got your snow tubing and your ice rink right yeah, there. Yep. Um, we got a, the new tra- an indoor trampoline place that seems to be a big hit. Nice. Uh, Sky Zone. Can um, jump up. Nice. It's, it's called a, Adrenaline is the one that's Love here. Uh, and then, you know, we, we like to go to the, the outdoor parks. There's a big one, you know, uh, over on the – east side there where kids like to run around and play and, and do that kind of stuff yeah i tried to convince uh my wife i think heritage has has laser tag too or something like that and I, I wanted to go play laser tag and she was not uh not interested in doing not having last, it, time, huh? last time we were there uh but i'm supposed <laughs> to also shout out john's place we usually get pizza from there uh when we are home that's typically every friday night we get john's place pizza and that is pretty good so anybody's listening from york you know john's john's pizza is very good uh we will take it to 10 touches <laughs> I got the first five, 30-second rapid-fire question and answer. Matt, who's the funniest person you've ever worked with or coached? Uh, I've got to go with coach. It's Dalton Myers. Uh, I was around him so long. You know, he, I recruited him. He was here for five years due to an injury, and now he's kind of helping us out as an assistant. Uh, he's just a one-of-a-kind individual. All right, what's your worst basketball travel experience? <laughs> Uh, part-time assistant, TCNJ, 
uh, drive up to Salem State for a tournament uh, my first year. And we get the great idea that we're going to take our guys down to like Faneuil Hall in that area in Boston on a Friday night for dinner. Um, and Kevin McMahon was driving one van. I was driving the other. And we said, all right, we'll drop you guys off here and we'll go park. And we never parked. We circled that area for about three hours. Guys got back in the vans and we drove back to Salem. It was welcome to Division Three coaching. Oh, man. What are, man, I loved driving the van for when I was working with the <laughs> too. I loved driving the van. That thing was such a truck. Like, I was so uncomfortable parking it anywhere in a parking lot if there wasn't like three empty spots in a row. I always thought I was going to hit stuff. Like, God, it just give you. See, that was. Go ahead, go ahead. I grew up in a big, I grew up in a big family. So we actually. We had a club wagon. I learned how to drive on a 12-seater, so I was good to go. I was going to say, that probably got you that job. They were like, hey, can you drive? (laughs) (laughs) You're hired. Yeah, I should have put it on my resume. I didn't know. What book are you currently reading or have recently read? And then uh, if you get a chance to watch something other than Paw Patrol, what are you uh, binge watching on TV? (laughs) Yeah, so I guess I'm not reading anything right now. I'm a big John Gordon, Joshua Medcalf. I kind of frame a lot of stuff with those two guys so i uh, had jury duty about a month or so ago and i read a lot of a lot of that stuff pound the stone chop wood carry water um tv uh i kind of unless we're watching sports i give the remote to my wife so she's into the chicago med fire pd uh chicago so wednesday on nbc yep yep exactly so if i'm home you know, for an evening, that's uh, that's usually what we watch. Uh, what is the what's the best game you've ever been a part of, either as a player or a coach? Uh, I guess one of the coolest moments for me as a player uh, was an overtime game, and I made free throws at the end of the game to send it into the next overtime. Back at Salisbury, um, when I was at TCNJ, we were in a triple overtime game up at Muhlenberg. Uh, and we were only playing like six guys, so we had guys dragging all over the place. That was uh, that was a fun one as well. Uh, I'm going to change this question, but you, you mentioned that you were coaching freshman baseball. Were you a better hitting coach or pitching coach when you were coaching? <laughs> and I was just a, I was just used for my right arm to get the ball over the plate, so <laughs> the varsity guys could hit every day. Um, that that's what I was u- used for. I'm pretty sure I've got torn rotator cuff whatever else going on in there. If I ever get an MRI on my shoulder, the, it's not going to be pretty. <laughs> oh, man. Th- this next question I'm sure will be very difficult, but what would you do if you weren't coaching? I honestly have no idea. Um, I kind of, I guess, bred myself to do this. Uh, I don't know how to do do anything else. I, 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 would, I guess I would teach, you know, I, I think the beauty of coaching is you have an opportunity to influence young kids. And I guess in teaching is kind of next, next in line. What would you change about college basketball? Hmm. Uh, all, all the, the different ways that we play. I wish it was just kind of um, the same. So if you turn a game on division one, it's the same as division two is the same as Division three, you know, so everything was kind of equal in, in that regard. I'm, I'm kind of in favor of just to hop on that point for a second. Like I'm a little bit more in favor of just going more European rules just because like 
at all levels, you're going to have way more players as they play professionally. They're going to play those specific rules. So like why the game doesn't have quarters, like why the three point line isn't relatively uniform, like shot clock, stuff like that. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. If we're yeah, preparing guys, you know, right, and you know, going all the way down to high school and, and bringing guys all the way through. If it was all kind of uniform, you know, games getting longer because it's older, I'm fine with that. Three point line moving back to a certain point, I'm fine with that. But um, I would love if anytime you sat down to watch a basketball game, it was all kind of going to be run the same way, and you know, I think it would just help with fans understanding what the heck's going on. Do you have a pregame routine or any superstitions? No, I I really don't. Um, I, I don't have anything like that. I mean, I, I I'm the guy who forgot my dress socks for the championship game last year. You know, so uh, <laughs> it, yeah, there's nothing. The there, there's nothing socks. like that. I, I yeah. I, luckily, John had a pair of black socks on, so he could pull those off, and I wore his dress socks and. We won the championship game with me wearing John Shower's dress socks. Classic, classic head coach move right there, Smalls. You pull your socks off your assistant yeah. to make sure. Absolutely. That's the, way, that's the way it flows. All right, your favorite and least, least favorite practice drill? Oh, man. Um, favorite. Gator hustle drill. It's coming out today. Love it. Um, take a charge, dive on the floor. Uh, jump out of bounds, save a ball. Um, you know, I, I, a fan of all those toughness things that you can't, uh, can't do so much anymore. Um, so I, I like that type of stuff. I wouldn't say I have a least favorite one. You know, I'm not a big fan of, you know, just running to run. So we just kind of compete and play and, and let the chips fall where they do at the end of the day. I like that. Do you have any, uh, hidden or secret talents? Zero. I'm not a very talented person. <laughs> uh, I just, I just, <laughs> I just, I just work at it. I love it. I love it. And now the, uh, our final question, two future podcast guests for us. Who do you think we should bring on? Wow. Uh, I don't know. What are you guys looking for here? Yeah, we, we take it. We just love talking to coaches. We, whoever you think you got to be a good talker. You got to, got to be able to laugh a little bit. Harry know, Mora, it. Harry Mora, hands down. Love it. Okay. He's now the assistant at Lehigh. I can't even give you a second one. That's that's the guy. That's the guy. So we have <laughs> yep. to get that guy. That's it, Tyler. Yep. We're batting 100. A little freshman baseball term for you. Here we go. <laughs> <laughs> he definitely had someone on his freshman baseball team that batted like 785 or oh, something. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no doubt about it. <laughs> go, go scores, like the three, four, five. Scores were, <laughs> scores were literally like 17, 15. You know, because <laughs> scores, not scoring errors, really. I love it, man. I want to yep. coach all right, last segment, parting shots. Same two questions to every guest. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, I don't know. Some version of just shut up and work. Um, you know, Nobody do, cares. Do, work hard. Yeah, just, just kind of do the job. And I guess this is where I'm different than the guys that are younger than I am. Um, you know, just show up, do the work every day and it will all kind of come to you when it when it comes to you and when you're ready for it and deserve it. Face-to-face with your 25-year-old self, what are you telling that person? 
<laughs> you're not ready to be the TCNJ head coach. <laughs> I knew it was coming. Yeah. Man, I, I would I would love to talk for 45 minutes about that because like and and we will not this time. Maybe we'll have you back on it in the middle of the season or something as you you guys are rattling off 15 straight wins, but it's just like so crazy because I can totally imagine it. Like you walk out of there, you got the chance to do it for a year, and you're like, man, I I'm the guy. Like I'm the man. Like it's so hard to not feel that way. And then like looking back on it now, like you know, like I was not the man. Like I was far yeah. from that point. But like in, in the moment, there's just no way as a competitive guy that you're ever feeling differently about that. And right. that's why you're successful now, I think. No, it was uh no, that is a hundred percent. A hundred percent the truth. Um, There's no way you could have convinced that guy that he wasn't, he shouldn't be the the next head coach at the college of New Jersey. Um, Until, like I said, it only, it didn't take me very long, just a couple of months uh, up at the sales. I'm like, okay, uh, they were right. Let's, uh, let's move on and, and work at this thing here. We're going to have to get Pat Doherty's not a every time I've ever met him. He's not a huge talker, but we're going to have to get Pat Doherty on the show because we've had a bunch of people on that have worked for, with him. And I yeah. really want to hear Pat Doherty's opinion of when you were the interim head coach at TCJ and you guys were all 24 and below, like figuring out how to coach a good division three team. Like I, I we got to get dope. There you go. That. So there, can I get credit for that as my second podcast? That's what we do. We will. We're going to let you go. Smalls is going to go watch film of the Eagles Saints and figure out how to save the Eagles season. You're going to go uh, practice. I don't know what I'm going to do. Buy some wine for Thanksgiving or something today. <laughs> I appreciate you joining us. He is Coach Matt Hunter on Twitter, exactly like it sounds. And Matt, best of luck the rest of the way. We'll be following and uh, we will talk soon, brother. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me. It was fun. Appreciate it.